is the Equity Experience Podcast, a space created for every educator or school leader who is authentically pursuing equity and inclusion in their classrooms and schools. I'm your host, Dr. Carla Manning, and I welcome you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Equity Experience Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Carla Manning, and on today's show, we have a very, very special guest, a good virtual friend, Tamika and I have never met face-to-face, but I really support her platform. We've had some good conversations, and she is doing a lot of great and necessary work in the community, particularly around health and wellness. So, Ms. Tamika Albertini, welcome, and thank you for being on today's show. Yes. Hi, Carla. Hi, Tamika. (laughs) Thank you so much for inviting me on here. Yes, it's so funny how like we've never met in person, but we just like kept in communication. So I'm like really happy to be on here to speak to you today. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. So let's go ahead and get started. You know, introduce yourself. Tell us about who you are and the work that you do. Sure, sure. I am a holistic wellness practitioner. I always put this in like a, a category of three that I am a healer, a teacher, as well as an artist. And I say all three of those things simply because I incorporate all three in everything that I do, literally. Right now, I work with both children and adults. But since we're talking about Fruji today, (laughs) Fruji was actually created in 2013. It's a company I've had for about seven years. And I've incorporated and actually created that company from being an artist naturally a healer, holistic wellness practitioner, and also my love of teaching. So I was teaching for many years. I was a visiting art instructor. So I visited public schools, charter schools, daycares, and I taught eco arts and crafts. And I taught um, just students like how to draw and things like that and how to sew. And I did that for many years. And from my experience working in the schools, that's what really prompted me to start creating Fuji. So I'll give a little backstory from that. So before 2013, or about like 2013, when I was working in a school, I was teaching art, you know, using different art supplies. And I started realizing that the scent of like the paint and the glue and the crayons were just bothersome to me. And I think because I just started like my holistic lifestyle and vegan lifestyle about like two to three years prior to that. So my body was becoming a lot more sensitive. When I started getting these feelings, like anytime that I would breathe like these fumes in, like I would get a slight headache or I wouldn't feel good. And I also had students in the classroom, about like one or two students that had allergies and also I guess felt bothered by the scent of paint and also the glue as well. And when I started feeling like that, I had to make a decision, like (laughs) if I wanted to continue working in the classroom or if I wanted to make a difference and and find a solution to this. So once my student came to me and, you know, she was bothered by like the scent of the paint and she didn't want to finish her art piece, that's what really pushed me to make a difference and create a solution to that. Because I honestly feel like no student should be, you know, excluded or restricted from painting or creating or being artistic due to the art supplies that they're using. I felt like that was like problematic. So fast forward a little bit, 
I decided that I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to create a solution for that. And I went into like meditation mode, right? That is like a long story. So I'm going to try to make it as short as possible. So I began meditating on the things that I was passionate about like, and how I can use those passions in order to create a product or a service that would help those students as well as myself and other artists and other art teachers that have the love of painting and coloring and just like creating without being restricted because of those supplies that they were using. And so three things came to me, three of my passions, which is working with children, you know, creating and art, as well as wellness. Now, those three things is what I basically use to launch Fruji. So once I figured out, okay, well, I'm passionate about these three things. How can I utilize these things in order to create, you know, a company that is useful and not only for like children in general, but also for schools and also for like other artists. How Fruji came about. That's how I created Fruji. Wow, that's a beautiful story. And I like a lot of what you said. I like how you tied all of your passions into starting this company, but also appreciate how your passions are really rooted in just the ultimate well-being of who we are as humans. Right, right, right. And another thing that I noticed is that special needs students, like I was working Mm -hmm. with autistic students at the time. I mean, I did did so much in the school system. (laughs) I was working as a para. I worked as an art instructor. And when I was working as a para at one point, while working with the autistic student, I started realizing the students' restrictions that, you know, when all the other students were painting, this student, because the student would put his hands in his mouth a lot, mm-hmm. the student wasn't able to paint. Or I had to like sit next to the student really closely to make sure that he wasn't putting his hands in his mouth when he was painting and, or putting the paintbrush in his mouth when he was painting. Mm-hmm. And so... That also triggered something in me, you know, I thought about that and I'm just like, I don't want to have to keep like grabbing his arm because he's getting ready to put the paintbrush in his mouth. And that made me really think, what can I do in order to allow this child to be free Mm. when when he's creating and not have to like continuously stop him in his like thought process Mm. while he's creating. And so that's what really, really prompted me to not only create the company Fruji with the services and products, but also creating a specific product that will create a solution to that. Mm. And so I created a vegan and all natural multi-purpose paint. And that paint was basically what took my company to the next level, so to say. That paint, it has all natural ingredients, no chemicals. And so if a student that has special needs or doesn't have special needs or even has allergies, they're painting, you know, even if they're like two years old or 11, whatever age that they are, if they're painting with this particular Fruji paint, they're not restricted, meaning that they don't have to stop because they're putting this paint in their mouth because it's all natural. So therefore it's not harmful to the children. Mm -hmm. And so creating this particular paint, it allowed all the other students that I was working with and also the parents and the teachers to just have a product and have a paint that weren't going to restrict their students from creating. And so I felt like working with students in the past and working with teachers and working with like different organizations and things like that, like that really prompted me to like create all of this. Like my previous experience really brought me to this moment 
when I was creating, you know, all of my experiences from working with students, my experience with working with teachers, my experience with working in the schools, you Mm -hmm. know, all of these things really pushed me to create and find a solution so that I was able to offer the schools and offer, you know, the students, other children, different alternatives to art supplies. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to go along with that, I know that one of the services that you offer, and not just with children, but also with adults, particularly with women, is this concept of art and color therapy. Can you break that down and unpack what is color therapy? What is art therapy? And how can that be beneficial on the human body? Oh, for sure. That's like one of my favorite, favorite subjects. (laughs) So as an artist, as a natural artist, I am drawn to colors. Like I graduated with my fashion design degree. So like, of course, if you're a fashion designer, like colors is your like big thing. So I've always been drawn to colors since I was um, a child as an artist. And I have multiple companies. So (laughs) Fruji is like one of them that's geared towards like children and art and arts and crafts and things like that. And then I have a company called Sacred Color Healing, where I really, really delve into and break down the concept of healing with colors. And that's through anything. I I mean, you can heal with colors with the clothes that you wear, Mm. with the, the colors that you see around you, the colors in your home, the colors outside that you see in nature. So nature provides us with everything that we need. I mean, all the colors that you see in nature is included in the paints that are created. So like the pigmentations in the paints are from nature. And of course, there are like chemical based paints, but the origin uh, and the base of the actual colors come from nature and come from plants. So healing with colors, that's like a really big thing for me, because once I started studying color therapy, I started studying art therapy and, you know, how working with colors and how painting is therapeutic in what way. And just like combining the aspect of like wellness and art together. That was like one of my big things. And I think that's what drew me to really work with color therapy, you know, teaching people how to heal with colors. So color therapy, I mean, if you think about what colors is, colors are just frequencies and vibrations, right? Mm -hmm. The same thing how like sounds are frequencies and vibrations. Everything around us is uh, a frequency. You know, Mm -hmm. humans are frequencies. We we exude, you know, uh, different types of frequencies and energy. So if you want to think about colors, colors are just energy, right? The sun is actually the origin of colors, meaning that all of the colors come from the sun, right? The Mm -hmm. sun is not yellow. When people think, oh, the sun is yellow. The sun is yellow because people were taught that the sun was yellow, Mm -hmm. but the sun is not yellow. The sun actually has all the colored spectrums inside of it. So whenever you see a rainbow, that's like the light refracting from, you know, the water droplets that you see, like Mm -hmm. when it just finished raining or something like that. So In regards to like color Mm -hmm. therapy, color therapy is basically just using colors to heal in different ways. Again, there's so many different aspects of color therapy. I mean, I can go on and on about it, but (laughs) uh, one of the main aspects of color therapy that is really, really practiced is coloring with different mediums. So, you know, coloring with paint, coloring with color pencils or crayons, or, you know, coloring with your fingers or, you know, different things like that. So color therapy is actually used in some schools. It's really broad right now, meaning that like a lot of people are more in tune with color therapy now, I feel. And it's included in art therapy. 
you know? So color therapy is a part of like art therapy. I mean, there's so many other aspects as far as like Reiki or chakra healing or healing with light, you know, crystal light therapy. There's also like the art therapy aspect. So there's different types of color therapy that I really delve into when working with my clients for sacred color healing. And I absolutely love it. So I love this. I love this. So now what might be some of the benefits of color therapy or art therapy for students? And I'm thinking of particularly children who may have special needs or children who may need extra support services or children who may be gifted. How can art therapy and color therapy be used to improve student learning or increase student achievement? You know, could you make any relationships or correlations to those two? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about how you feel when you look at different colors, I think that would give an explanation about how colors can heal. So for example, if you are looking at the color red, right? The color red is very passionate. It's also aggressive too. It can be aggressive, Mm. but it all gets your attention, you know? So if someone walks into the room with the color red on, right? That's probably the first person that you're going to lay eyes on because the color is just so bold, mm-hmm. you know? Think about the traffic lights. The traffic lights are red. Why? Because it gets your attention so that you know to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the stoplights are red. You know, there's, there's different things that are red purposefully so that it can get your attention really, really quickly, okay? So let's just say, for example, if you're in a home and you have red all around you, right? It's going to be hard for your mind to stop racing because red is aggressive and it's passionate and it like pushes you to like get things done, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are a person who is, you're not motivated enough or maybe you're depressed, putting red in your home or wearing red or having red around you will actually help you to get things done and will get you going quicker than mm-hmm. the color, let's just say yellow, that is a bit more toned down and it's more joyful. And it's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's different colors that you can use in order to get you going, right? So like blue is more of a calming color where right. blue helps you to also get things done, but it's not an aggressive color, right? Mm-hmm. It's a color of like water and it Serenity allows you to flow. Mm-hmm. Right, it allows mm-hmm. you to flow. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yellow is just like really, really happy and really mm-hmm. joyful, right? Mm-hmm. So. I'm giving those examples because colors that are around us actually helps us to do different things. So with children, children are more sensitive. They're more sensitive to everything, colors, our tones when we're, when we're speaking, the different noises and sounds, everything. They're just more sensitive and in tune. So when it comes to special needs students, art therapy is actually absolutely amazing when it comes to helping the students focus. And focusing is a big thing with children that are autistic and just have special needs in general. So when using color therapy or art therapy, either one, it helps the student to stay focused on their task and what they're doing. So like colors, again, like yellow, colors like orange or pink or like those like subtle colors would help students to just stay more calm, right? Because think about like what's going on in their head, like their their head, their minds are, are continuously going and going and going and going. So you don't want to put red in front of a child who is autistic because that's going to push them and allow them to become a little bit more aggressive because mm-hmm. of that, right? So you don't want to put 
red in front of a child that you want to stay focused. Mm-hmm. So you would put colors that are a little bit more common for them. So mm-hmm. as far as like students who are in schools, like they're affected by everything. They're affected by the colors that are painted on the school walls, you mm-hmm. know, the colors that are in the classrooms. Like those things are really, really important simply because you don't want to lose the focus of your student and you want to choose colors that are focus-based. I think that's amazing. And I think about everything you're saying, but then I also think about the reality, the realities that many public schools face with the reduction or even the elimination of art classes and art programs, you know, even at the college level, even as a student who wants to major in art, those are not even as popular anymore. And I think about all of this in the context of what students and what children are potentially missing out because art curriculum is not even as available as it once was. Right. Wow. I'm so big on that. And I'll give you a little backstory on just me being a bit discouraged to get my degree in like art therapy and things like that. When I was working as an art instructor, I was working as an art instructor and I still am an art instructor visiting the schools. So basically I was visiting schools that did not have art programs, Mm -hmm. right? They had after school programs, but they didn't have art included in their day, you know, schooling, daytime Mm -hmm. schooling. Mm -hmm. And This to me was a major problem because when I was growing up, I mean, art was like mandatory. It was a subject and a program that was in every school. Like I never knew a school that didn't have an art program. And it's not until I started getting older and going back to school that I started seeing the decline in art therapy, not even art therapy, just art programs in schools. Mm -hmm. And to me, I felt like you have students in the classroom, you know, all day you know, and yes, they're learning, they're getting different educations and different curriculums. But what about a chance for the student to just release and express themselves in a different manner, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you're creating art, it's just you and the tools that you're using, right? And even though you're being taught, you're still able to express yourself in a different manner. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're in a classroom all day, and you're learning, you know, about like different subjects, most of the time, you're just listening. You know, you're listening to the Mm -hmm. teacher talk. And of course, you're doing like different activities here and there. But the majority of the time you're listening. Mm -hmm. So how about, you know, offering a program where the students are listening, but they have more time to just express themselves in a different manner. And I feel like that's extremely important. And it's also therapeutic. Art is Mm -hmm. very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Some people don't like art. That's okay. (laughs) Some children, (laughs) you know, that's just not their thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're better with their hands or, you know, construction or building things. And that's okay, too. But the thing about art that I love is that you do all of that, right? You do sculpting, you are able to draw, you're able to paint. There's so many different mediums and different types of art that you can create. And it allows a child to just tap into like different parts of their brain that are going to be useful, you know, when they get older. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important to get art programs back into the schools. And that's why I'm so grateful to offer my eco art program that I have in many schools throughout New York City. And from me being in the schools and listening to the teachers and working with the principals, I mean, they're grateful for my company being in their school simply because they weren't able to continue the art programs during the day or even for after school. So I think it's extremely important for schools to continue to have the art programs. Indeed, indeed. So now with the work that you've done, with the services that you've provided, 
Have you seen or witnessed any breakthroughs or success stories or accomplishments with children or families as a result of your programs? Oh, yes, for sure, for sure. (laughs) Wow, where do I start? There's so many relationships that I build with students directly um, through my Eco Art program. And the Eco Art program is not just an art program. It's a program that teaches students about recycling, sustainability, and also being health conscious, right? Mm. Because if we're using all natural paint, there's a reason why we're using all natural paint. I don't like to just take the paint and just throw it in front of my students and say, hey, this is the paint that you're using. I like to explain what the paint is made out of, why we're using this type of paint. What are the paints that have like different chemicals and uh, different maybe animal products in the paint? You know, I I have to explain and describe these things to them so that they have a better understanding of, you know, why we're doing this and and why eco arts and crafts is so important. So even the students that I've worked with, I mean, some students have come into my class and they're just like, I don't like art. I don't want to do this. (laughs) And I just leave them to the side. I'm just like, hey, it's no problem. Just you know, watch from afar. If you ever want to um, come in and, and, you know, and join us, then you can do that on your own time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always leave them because they observe and they start looking at all the students and how much fun they're having. Having fun, (laughs) right. (laughs) You know what I mean? And Uh they're just like, oh, well, this is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And then I would just put the materials in front of them. And then just allow them to chime in whenever they want to. Yes. And they always do. I always come around like, hey, you know, how's that book you're reading? Or do you want to join us yet? You know, I always like come and try to lure them in. But I have a student, I have one student <laughs> who, you know, she decided that she wanted to finally join in. And she was really great. At, she was really great at drawing. Mm. And I was just like, wait a minute. Like, okay, there's something else going on. Either you had a bad experience or maybe you um, are shy or like something is going on that is not allowing you to express, you know, your artistic skills. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) So after a while, towards like the end of the semester, she invited a group of her friends to join the, uh, the after school program, which was awesome. So she had like people around her that was encouraging her to. And I started observing that. But some students, if they don't feel comfortable in like a classroom setting or, you know, with other students that maybe they don't know, then it's going to hinder them from actually expressing themselves or creating art or just doing anything. Mm-hmm. So some students are like that. And some students are just like, you know what, give me some paper. I will paint by myself in my little corner. And that's it. But this student, she was encouraged by having her friends around and then the fun activities we were doing. So she's an artist. Like I had to tell her and you have to, as a teacher and an instructor, you have to encourage your students and let them know like, Hey, you have amazing skills. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) these skills cannot go to waste. Here's this that you can do when you get home. Here's this activity. If you want to do this on the weekend, you know, you have to encourage your students to get those skills coming up because some students, that's all they need. Maybe they don't have encouragement at home. Maybe they're so stressed out at home that when they come to school, you know, that's their free time to just be. And maybe they don't want to tap into those sides because they're not introduced to it enough. Mm-hmm. So I've had students like come into the class, don't want to do anything, and then leave by the end of the school year with murals and stuff. So wow. yeah, I've had a lot of those stories. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. So if we can, let's just pivot a bit. And you mentioned briefly your lifestyle as a vegan. 
Can you talk about what the benefits are of being vegan and being alkaline? And how do you sort of incorporate that with students and with children and, you know, even with learning? Yeah, of course. So being a vegan and, you know, alkaline plant-based, it stemmed from me wanting to heal myself first. So it wasn't something that I was looking to do and to teach and, you know, everything just came about gradually. So I started off with wanting to heal a few of my ailments that I had. There's so many different ways of healing and intuitively, I did not want to take prescription pills. I did not want to continue taking Excedrin for my major migraines. It didn't make me feel good. And the moment that I started being introduced to like different foods and different like health gurus and things like that. I was intrigued by it. I was just like, wait a minute, you can heal like other ways, you know, besides <laughs> going to Walgreens and getting some prescriptions or having to take Tylenol or Excedrin or over the counter, you know, medication or having to go to the doctor so many mm. times. I mean, there were so many things that were going through my mind and I was just like, I had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel lethargic anymore. I don't want to feel foggy headed. I don't want to take Excedrin, you know, one minute and then the next day I have a headache again and have to take it again. So there were a few things that I was suffering from and a few ailments that I was suffering from that I truly just did not want to experience anymore. And that's what really pushed me towards health and wellness and wanting to like delve more deeper into how the body works, how the body processes food, like those type of things really intrigued me because in order for you to know how to heal, you have to understand the body and how it works. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, it's going to be hard to target specific ailments that you have if you don't know what it needs. So that really helped me and really pushed me to start my different companies by working on myself first. Well, first of all, Fruji is a combination of fruit and veggies, correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Very creative. So because many of our listeners are K-12 teachers and school leaders, what might be some advice that you can give to K-12 teachers and school leaders around color and art therapy or around veganism or health and wellness? Do you have any words of suggestions for them? So first, I want to thank all of the educators, the school leaders, and community leaders for continuing to do their best during this time and just for their hard work and dedication to adjusting to this type of shift during COVID. Because I work in the school, so I know how tough it is. And to shift to online-based education in a matter of like a day, you right. know, just getting, you know, a notification like, hey, school's closed. Okay, for the rest of the school year. You know, it was just a lot that they had to go through. So I just want to say thank you for your efforts. You know, me speaking to principals and teachers, like I keep in communication with the principals and the teachers that I also work with and just finding out like how they're doing and encouraging them as well to keep pushing and I'm pulling through. And a lot of things that I've noticed is that they're going through a lot right now as far as emotionally, physically, mentally. You know, some of their family members are passing away, whether it's the students or the, the staff members' um, family. Mm-hmm. So they have to deal with a lot of emotion, right? A lot of emotions, a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow that's happening and worry. So 
it's a lot that's going on, you know, mentally. So one thing that I would say and my advice to educators and, you know, community leaders and school leaders is that take time for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Take time for yourself and be sure to not only take self-care days, take self-care hours, you know, like during the day when they're not teaching or when they are teaching, like take breaks to just breathe Mm -hmm. because they're on fire right now, right? They're trying to figure out the curriculum. They're trying to figure out, are my students in classes? And my student that just lost his parent or, you know, or just lost his family member, how is he doing? So they have their own families to take care of, and then they have their school families to take care of. And that right now is really, really hard on them. So breathe. Mm. Take a deep breath throughout the day. And learn how to work on your breath work. Because if you're not breathing, that means that you're not getting enough oxygen in your body. That means that your cells and your organs are not getting enough oxygen. And this is where the ailments start coming in, right? During COVID, this is probably the best time and then the most time that you should be getting the most of your oxygen, right? Because if you're not, then your cells are just going to start breaking down and COVID attacks a lot of people who have compromised immune systems. And if your immune system is low because of stress, especially during this time, then you're more susceptible to get sick. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage parents and also educators to take time for yourself, find meditation groups, do some yoga, and be still. I know it's really busy, but find time to just be still. Another thing I think that they should implement is meditations in schools, creating gardens, like once all this has settled down and they're able to go back to the schools to start teaching students about growing their own foods, implement that into the school system so that children can know where their food comes from and how to eat more healthier. Also, you mentioned earlier about schools offering like vegan options. I think that that's an amazing thing to offer in the school simply Mm -hmm. because there are students who are plant-based and are vegan and they have to continuously like bring food to school. If there's options, then maybe they don't have to do that necessarily. And also offering like health and wellness workshops, you know, for both the staff and the students. And then yoga. I've worked in schools. I worked as as a yoga instructor in a few schools and (laughs) the reactions of both the students and the teachers are just amazing. Like they're so grateful to have a pause, especially the teachers. (laughs) <laughs> because when I come into the schools and I'm working with the students, they have time to like take care of some work that maybe they didn't get a chance to do in that 20 to half hour that I'm there working with the students. And it allows also the teacher to just like take a breather um, right. and then the students to take a break from all the work and the education that they're getting. They learn about different tools that you know, we use during yoga, different sound meditations, um, different things that they can also implement in their household. You know, these students also bring this back to their home and, and tell their parents, hey, mom, I learned about yoga. Let's get my move. Or I learned about this instrument, this singing bowl or whatever instrument that I'm using, bring this back to the home with excitement. And that honestly really also pushes the parents to implement this, these things in their home that is making their child happy or is calming their child down. Wow, that's powerful. Now, let me ask you, did you ever experience any pushback or criticism or resistance from parents or educators around 
teaching yoga or teaching anything that might go up against beliefs that parents or educators may have? Or were people pretty receptive to what you were offering? Honestly, no, I've never experienced any pushbacks. I always felt like I needed to like ask those questions first (laughs) to like the organizations that I was working with, you know, and, and simply asking, you know, are parents okay with the word or are the schools okay with the word chakras? The word chakra, I mean, alone, a lot of or different parents or organizations, like they think that that's like a religion and right, you know, right. it's a spiritual practice, right? you know, but and, it's yoga as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and they're culturally based, but I mean, yoga is not just about movements, right? Mm-hmm. Like yoga is breath work. Yoga mm-hmm. is being still and also movement. There, there's mm-hmm. different types of ways that these are culturally based and spiritually based, but definitely not religious. So, you know, I always like to educate the organizations or even the principals that I work with to let them know firsthand that this is not a religion. (laughs) This is just like a way of life and a spirituality. And they're pretty open with it. I've never had like any school not want to implement this type of program in their schools because they felt like it was religious. Powerful, powerful. So now what are some of your, I know we're still on pause right now, but what are some of your current projects and activities that you are engaging in around Fruji and children in schools? Yeah, so right now I'm working with a few organizations to offer online classes and workshops. One of them is the Eco Art Program that I, I've had for a while. And then another one is Yoga and Meditation. So those two things are my focus right now. I took a pause, not only because I wanted to just like rebrand and relaunch, but because I wanted to offer the students and and the children and the parents and also the community leaders, the school leaders, something that was going to be beneficial during this moment in this time. I want to offer what I can to support them during this time Mm -hmm. and helping them with eco arts and crafts and providing that type of like uh, sustainable education and wellness education to their students, as well as yoga and meditation, it allows parents to also feel a sense of calmness along with the students and the school leaders. So those are two things that I'm offering at the moment, but just working with organizations. I'm not offering it directly on my website, uh, partnering up with different community organizations in order to implement this in their programs as well. Sure, sure, sure. So if people want to stay connected and get in contact with you, how may they go about doing so? Sure. So my website is fruji.com. That's F-R-U-I-G-G-I-E.com. That's my website. My email is info at fruji.com. That's I-N-F-O at fruji.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter um, at fruji. And yeah, that's where you can contact me. (laughs) Excellent, excellent, excellent. So as a voice in advocating for equitable education for K-12 children and students, what is one word of advice that you could provide to our listeners? So one word, especially during this time, I would say is connect. This time forces us to take care of our health, the environment, and also connect to our families. 
So I feel like the word connect comes to me, connecting to nature also, connecting to your friends, connecting to your family, and also most importantly, connecting to yourself, finding time for self-care, finding time to be more in tune with what it is that you need, um, being able to connect with things that enhance your life and also to release what no longer serves you. So I feel like connection is definitely something that we need to do. You know, we are nature. We are the trees. We are the elements of air, fire, water, and earth. We are all of these things. And so if we connect on a deeper level to these words, so to say, we can definitely connect to ourselves and the things around us in a better way. Wow. Beautifully stated. Well, Miss Tamika, Miss Fruji, I thank you for being on our show. I thank you for having the time or taking out the time to explain and share with us your experiences, your immense knowledge set around wellness, around healing, and around wellness justice for our children and for our schools and communities. Beautiful work that you are doing, and I continue to support and encourage what you are offering. Thank you. Thank you. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to coming on the show again. Yes, I was just about to say that I'm definitely going to have to get you on again and keep updated with what you're offering. Yes, for sure. Yes. So thank you again, Tamika. And thank you to our listeners um, for tuning in to another episode of the Equity Experience Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our show on today. I hope you were able to take away some gems that you can incorporate in your own personal and professional practice. So thank you. Uh, Make sure to tune in next week. Be well and be blessed. Mm -hmm.